0: Acts chapter 10, we're going to read, and then we will we will pray. The scriptures say this. Uh, I can't read this passage without repeating something my pastor said years ago. Um, so I'm just going to interrupt and then go back to the reading of God's word. Uh, it must have been a, an exciting morning. Mike, It must have had four or five cups of coffee. But uh, he began reading this section of the scripture. He said, Acts ten thirty four. So Peter opened his mouth, and then he said, which is good, because otherwise it would have sounded like, <laughs> you, Thank you, this side of the room. Good for you. Come on, folks. Acts 10.34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to hear your word, to open the word and to receive the explanation of it for the the growth and encouragement of our souls. Lord, as as we have been looking through these Scripture texts and we have have seen what you gave us in our identity as Christians, that you call us to be armored in our identity, but then to pray and to speak. And, And as you call us to worship and exalt you, we pray this morning that you would help us to do the, what seems to be the hardest thing. And that's to share the gospel message. To share what Jesus has done. Why, why is it so difficult, Lord? Why are we so afraid? I believe that, that we're afraid Lord, because we're afraid on, on some level to lose what we have relationships with others. Uh, But also we're afraid because you have an enemy. Uh, We have enemies. Our our flesh wars against you. And we pray that you would nourish and strengthen our ability to resist the temptation to be silent. Uh, We live in a world, the Bible says, that is dead and sins and trespasses and hates you. And so we pray that, that you would help us to see that, that we bring something good to the world on your command, by your grace, and for your glory. And that we ought to persist in sharing the message, even with those who are resistant. Not to be rude, but because what we have to share is important and will even save their lives. And then there's the devil who hates you. All those who fell with him when he rebelled conspiring to make us afraid to keep us from sharing we pray that we would resist the temptation to be silent and that we would speak words of truth to those who need to hear them lord we pray this knowing that you are good and kind we ask that you'd speak to us now from your word we pray this in jesus name amen uh, let's review a little bit. Uh, for those of you who are like, why is there a giant sheet of paper on the side of the church? You know, like this doesn't happen in any other church. This is true. As far as I know, this doesn't happen in any other church. Um, but we're in the middle of a, of a sermon series. We're focusing on our, our mission and, and trying to focus some of our, of our energies and just come to some agreement together that, yes, these are all the things that we believe. And so uh, my, my pastor friend Reed said, you should do the cartoon thing that you do. Uh, and so uh, we built this board, and i 've got this paper and i 've got my markers and so you 'll be like what are we what are we doing We're, yeah there 'll be some drawing and there 'll be some preaching uh, stick with me it 'll be cool uh, also, I want to remind you that outside there are Um, this is week three, I emailed out to, uh, to everybody on our mailing list, the week one and week two handouts, um, and, and you could still get them, but there's a devotion here for you to read just, and to think about every day. There's a scripture passage for you to write out by hand and, uh, an unreached people group to pray for. And, uh, just, this is just to kind of keep us moving along. Thank you. Some of you have been encouraging about this. No one has been disparaging so far. Thank you. Um keep it to yourself. Um, anyway, and, uh, and so I just want to remind you that, the, that those are there, so feel free to, uh, to pick them up. Um, so we've been talking quite a bit then about the work of, of God within the world uh, and what it is that, that God is doing. As we come into this passage this morning, we've met a lost person, right? We, we have somebody who needs to hear the gospel. The story that, that I picked up and, and read in the middle of Acts 10 is the story of Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion. He was somebody who, who, who did good and who sought to please God in, in the way that he lived, and yet he didn't know God personally he just he was he was seeking to find him and so he was praying but we would say knowing the story of the scriptures that he was lost right if you recall the condition of every single person who is lost is that they deal with their own shame They have the the wrath of God bearing down on them because of their sins. They wander away from God. They do not have the life of God within them, even though we were originally created to have God's life flowing through us. Our minds are darkened, and all the works that they do, even the works that they intend for good, are broken and polluted by their sin. You remember that. This is from Ephesians uh, chapter 2. We we looked at this uh, just a, a week ago or two weeks ago. And that's the condition of this man that we encounter, Cornelius. Cornelius is praying and seeking God. And God, uh, you know, one of the things that was, was difficult Uh, in keeping up with the the sermon as I'm I'm working, is reading scripture. And so Tiffany is going to jump in and read some scripture for me. Uh, And uh, so this is what's going on in the book of uh, of Acts chapter 10. Uh, Cornelius is praying and he has a vision as he's praying and an angel appears. And this is what the angel says to him. Okay, so uh, here is Cornelius, and he is praying. He is reaching out to God and saying, "Reveal yourself to me. Show me what is what. what it is that you want from me? I want to. I want to serve you and honor you." But he is unclear about how to do that. And so we know, though, that that God has called believers to Himself. Right? He he calls a believer. He. Uh, draws them to himself through the work of the cross. God sends Jesus to earth to live a perfect life. The book of Colossians says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So God is active in doing a work. He raises up the the person who, who believes in him. He forgives their sins. He puts the life of God within them in the form of the Holy Spirit, and and then they are able to do things which please him, the the fruit of the Spirit, right? Uh, The Bible also says that the believer is to be armed, right? The shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the believer's job then is to pray and to speak. The believer embraces the mission that God has given to him. He moves into this, this place where those who don't believe are. He goes into his mission field. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my friend Danny came and he preached and he talk about, talked about uh, the disciples' mountaintop experience, how they saw Jesus in all of his glory transfigured. right? And, and they were up there on top of the mountain. They had this wonderful experience. Well, we're not called as Christians to stay on the mountain. We've been given a mission. We're called to go back down into the valley. Why? That's where the people are. We were born there in the valley, right? The the people are in the valley. And so we're called not not to stay up on the mountain and absorb all the good stuff and say, thank you, God, for separating me out, but instead to say, I will do what you've called. I will take your word to those who need it. And so we see God active in the life of Peter, and God sends Peter to him, right? God tells Cornelius, he says, send men and go and find a man named Peter. So let's see God active in the life of Peter. Uh, Acts 10:9. 9, Tiff, please. Okay, so uh, Peter then has this vision. Uh, he, he understands that God is calling him on some level. He doesn't, he doesn't quite get the whole idea of the vision, but the vision is, is this uh, giant uh, picnic cloth coming out of heaven. It's full of all these different animals, and, and God keeps telling Peter to, to rise and to kill and eat, and Peter's like, no, I've never done, I've never eaten any of those animals. They're forbidden, and God says, whatever I've called clean uh, don't call unclean. So Peter's not really tracking with the whole vision. He doesn't really know exactly what God is saying. But as he comes out of this vision, uh, and he's he's pondering it, and he's, he's considering, the Spirit speaks to him. And this is what the Spirit says. Wow. Acts. Okay, so uh, Peter he, Peter goes with them, right? He understands that God is active. Remember, God is active here in this situation as well. Cornelius sends these guys. Peter has this vision. Peter's like, okay, maybe something's going on here. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go along with them. So um, this, uh, Peter, Peter goes with them, and then he explains himself to Cornelius this way in Acts 10, 29.
1: I asked them why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house in the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon and Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by
0: the Lord. Okay, so so Peter's not exactly sure why why he was supposed to go, but 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 Cornelius is like, God told me to go find you, and so I brought you, and God must have words because that's what God said, is that is that you would be able to speak to us. So tell us what you've heard. And Peter then has this amazing realization. Wait a minute, maybe I'm supposed to preach the gospel, right? Isn't that amazing? And so so this is what he said, Acts 10,
1: 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preach good news of peace through Jesus Christ. not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes
0: in him receives forgiveness of sins in the name. Okay, so what we have then is is Peter realizes, okay, they need to hear the message that I've been sent with. They, they need to hear. Peter is, is praying. You'll recall that we said that the, that the responsibility of the armored Christian is to be on their knees praying and then to speak. If you recall, I gave you a tool at that time. There's a bunch of them out on the, uh, out on the, uh, the, the thing, wooden thing in the lobby. I can't remember what that thing is called. It's like a table table. Um, and, uh, and 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 we, we talked about picking five people and praying for them, right? Who are we who are we praying for? Who are we looking for an opportunity to speak to? Peter is praying. God directs him to a person who wants to know the truth because God is active showing him that he needs the truth and he speaks the gospel. Now uh, relatively quickly I want to show you something. You can take a verse of scripture and you can draw that perhaps on a napkin and you can show someone what the gospel is, right? You can, you can take a verse like John three sixteen, and you can say that, that, okay, you are born separated from God. This is you here. You're in the world, right? You are, you are separated from God who is over here. And you're, you're feeling that. Uh, the good news, right? The Bible says that God loves the world, right? His, his attitude toward the world is, is love. But sin has separated us from God. Love, sin? No, that's not good. Um, you know, you might mess up. It's okay. Clarify. And you say, no, no, no. You know, uh, sin separates us from God God desires that, that whoever would put their faith in the work that he does, whoever has faith and believes in him, his desire is that they would not perish, that's the state that they're born in, but that they would have eternal life. How, how, does, how does God save people? The Bible says that he gave his only begotten son, that he put his son on the cross to, to build a bridge from, from one side to the other. That he, that he gave his son, his son died and took all of the sins of the world upon himself so that, so that those who are over here separated from with their sins on themselves those sins would be canceled out by the work of jesus on the cross and so what they need to do is to look to jesus in faith to believe that he died to save them and then they can cross over to the other side Um, not next week because we're doing uh the the esl presentation next week right in sunday school is it next week yeah. Okay. The following week, I'm going to walk through this on the board, and I'm going to teach this a one verse method. So if you're like, man, I'm not confident that I could share that on my own, um, uh, I'll teach. You need. We need. We need more tools. Okay. Let's just let's talk a little bit about the the whole of of the gospel here. Uh, Tiff, I'm going to read for myself for a little bit. Okay, cool. Thanks. Um, So the the gospel begins with this idea of law, that that there are laws of of God that separate us from him. And so we, we start with the law, right? We start with the fact that we're separated from God. Here are some some basic points that you can remember when you're trying to share the gospel. We've been created by God, and that means that we are owned by him, that he has a right to tell us what we should and should not do, right? And that sin breaks our fellowship. Sin breaks fellowship. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible also says in James chapter 2, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point is guilty of breaking the whole thing. The law is not a, a, a buffet, right? You know, that we can pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. The law is more like a, a rope that suspends us, right? That, that holds us from, from falling into hell. And if you cut that at any point, it, it snaps and, and you're separated. Sin breaks fellowship. Uh, The Bible also teaches us that because God is holy, that he is a judge and we will all face judgment one day. It is appointed for man to die once and after that to come to judgment. Hebrews 4:13 says no creature is hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to what to whom we must give account. We all have a destination. Have you ever thought about this, the fact that every single human being is eternal? We don't we're not eternal into the past, right? That's what God is like. The Bible says that when God takes on flesh in the form of of Jesus, that when Jesus takes on flesh as the second person of the Trinity, he exists in, in time in both directions. He's both eternal into the past and eternal into the future. We as humans, we're created for eternity. We're given Everlasting souls. And the question, though, is where will we spend eternity? Will we, will we spend it separated from God in a, in a place called hell? Or will we be united with God and spend eternity in heaven? John 5, 28, Jesus says, Do not marvel at this. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. That is the bad news about the state and condition of every human being. Uh, We have to share the the bad news, the fact that we're separated, if the gospel, the good news, is going to sound like good news and not just like a bunch of rules. Right? We have to to share the fact that, that people are, are separated. Peter does that. Peter shares the fact that, that, that Jesus is going to judge one day and that God doesn't show partiality, but those who in every place fear him and honor him and love him are acceptable in his sight. And so here's the good news of the gospel. The, the first point is that God loves you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says that God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, gave his son for us. And so we then turn to the subject of, of Jesus, who lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life, and then he died a criminal's death. It was a wrath taking death. He took the wrath of God on our behalf. He also is raised, the Bible says, for our justification. I'm going to call it a justifying res because I'm going to put too many S's in the word resurrection, and there will be no red squiggly line that appears because this is not a computer. Um, I I rely on autocorrect to 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 my continuous disappointment because it never really gets the words right. So Jesus takes the wrath of God upon himself so that we don't have to receive it. And then when he's raised in new life, because he is pure and holy, God unites us with that life, and that life makes us completely and utterly righteous. How do we access it? We look to God in faith, and we repent and put our trust in him. We repent and trust. And then God gives us all the blessings that come from union with him. And there are many of these. There is peace with God. There's power to fight off temptation. There uh, is eternal life which flows to us. And there's also uh, what the Bible calls adoption, that God makes us his own children. He also gives us a mission. Gives us a mission. And so we see that mission being lived out by Peter right here. There's a mission. We have been been given a mission. We know it uh, in the scriptures as the Great Commission. That's what it's called. Uh, the Great Commission I'm writing down here. Uh, the Great Commission we find in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where we're told to make disciples. Right? We make Additional disciples who live out the commands of Jesus and who who receive this gift by faith and then who live it, and so the Great Commission ought to motivate what we do as a church. It ought to be a part of our church life. Okay, the Great Commission, though I believe in and of itself is not, it, it just it doesn't capture the heart of a church or a family of Christians, unless we unite it with something else. And that is the great commandment. We know the great commandment, but do we think of it in connection with the great commission? Jesus is asked by someone, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And all of the, the, the people who are hearing this, I think they like start to pack up their things because they've heard the answer and they're going to move on. And then Jesus says, but a second one is like it. You know, they they ask just for the great commandment, but he gives them uh, the two great commandments and he's going to tell them why the second one is, is just as important as the first. This is the first and great commandment. Love, Lord, with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. So love man. Love your fellow man, the way that you love yourself. On these commandments depend all the law and the prophets. He's saying that the whole of everything in the Old Testament, everything that that God had said and had spoken and he had commanded can be summed up right here. We're to love God and to love man. And so what we see is that sharing this message, being moved to share this message, this mission that we've been given to share this gospel, it's the, it's, it is speak truth and save and share, and, but, but do it out of love. And do it in a way that is consistent with love. Does that make sense? Love motivates me to say, you know what? This person may cut me off if I share with them, but they need to know, I'm gonna, I'm, so I'm going to share. I'm going I'm to share with them because it's the most loving thing that I can do to share the gospel with them, even though it might be awkward. Imagine if 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 your your child is ill and you have to give them medicine and you hold. Out, who has not had this experience? If you've got kids, right? You know, you try to hold out the medicine to them and you say, "Take the medicine," and they say, "No, I did not want to take any medicine." Right? You know we have i have had my moments where i have like oh you're taking this medicine and then i like squeeze the sides of the face you know and 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 dump it in there why because it's for their good they need it it is required we exalt the commands of god and we love god and so we we live in a way that is consistent with the way that he calls us to live but then we invite others into his kingdom, and we love them and we do what's best for them. And so the great commandment combined with the great commission, that is the heart of our mission. Now, I want to ask the question, how do we do this together as a church? There's a way that you might do this. You might be like, you know what, I make friends with, uh, I make friends with people, and I eventually hope to share with them. You know, and so I'm just kind of, I'm kind of working the word into my workplace. And I bring my Bible and I put it on a shelf and I print out scripture stuff and I hang it up in my cubicle, you know, I'm not really super vocal. That's cool. You know, you might be like, I hand stuff out to people. I stop people and I say, if you were to die tonight, that's cool too, right? You know, but what happens is many times a church does not say, what is our way of getting this done? At the end of the day, right, uh, our, our own Jim Nottingham has said this. At the end of the day, right, if there is a hog and the hog is on a truck, right, and the hog needs to get off the truck, you need to say, how do we get that hog off the truck, right? How do we, how do we actually get the job done? And so the question of how is a matter of strategy. What is it that a church does to share the gospel and to be out there sharing the gospel with those who need it. I'm just going to grab some pens here. I don't know what color stuff's going to come out, but it's going to have to work. Um, so I'm trying new things every week. This week I'm like, I need more color because I don't think I've got enough color. I'm going to need green too. All right, let me grab my green here. Yeah, all right. Working it out. Strategy. How, how do we get the job done how do we do it we need an evangelistic strategy that embraces both love and truth wow. you can you can you can you can share truth with people and you know what happens then i believe people hear the truth and they think they just want to change the way that i think they don't really care about me but we can also so emphasize truth that we never get around to actually sharing and that's not loving either And so we need to embody both in our mission because uh, things, uh, the, the eternality is at stake. Where will this person spend their eternity with Christ or separated from him? And so we unite both love and truth into an evangelistic strategy right now. Right. It's it's. It's no longer winter. Now it's spring. Now it's winter again. Now it's spring. We're not really sure what's going on, but but if you've got a garden, you're starting to think about getting out there and getting ready, right? What what do you do? You go out there with the tiller and you you till you till the soil. You get ready for for doing the work. You go you go and till. Uh, When um, when uh, when Jerry Pat and I went to uh, Africa and he taught cooking, he taught this concept called mise en place, right? Meise en platz, I think that's what it's called, I don't know. And so you get all your little trays, right? You think like, I could cook like Rachel Ray or Gordon Ramsay if somebody would cut everything up for me and get everything in place. This is like, this is high concept French cooking. You get everything ready. You get all the stuff in place to go and do the work. So what is is the till part of, of getting ready for the work? First, as individuals, we ought to focus on sharpening our speech. And if you can see it, here's your little conversation emoji right there. Um, we ought to focus on sharpening our speech. What, is, what does the Bible tell us? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. This is the, the loving God part. I want to share the gospel, but, you know, they might reject me. Well, they might. But doesn't love for Jesus mean that you will share anyway? In, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, the hope that is within you. And yet, right, we just heard the truth part of truth, of sharing the gospel, and yet do it with gentleness and respect. Great commission, great commandment, united together. We, we sharpen our speech. Are you confident that if somebody said, hey, you know, I, I'll give you 15 minutes. Tell me this thing that you believe in. Could you, you're sitting there Dunkin' donuts. You got a napkin and you're able to, to sketch it out. Could you do it? Or are you ready to do it? Sharpen speech. Second piece, friendly up the church. Here's your little, if you look on your phone, don't do it right yet. If you look on your phone, I'm pretty sure the church looks kind of like that yeah, church emoji. Um, friendly up the church. There's two ways in which we friendly up the church. One, we ought to make the life of the church intelligible to those intelligible, to those who are on the outside. If, if somebody wanders into the church and says I want to know this Jesus thing that I heard about on TV, you know, from some preacher or that I read about in a book or you know, I was out on a trip in California my mom was telling me I ought to go back to church and then somebody wanders in here, we ought to We ought to, it ought to be easy enough for them to figure out like, you know, what is this thing all about? We ought to be expecting them and be ready for them. Colossians chapter four, verse five says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. This is why we've got somebody at the front door who's like, welcome to church here is a bulletin you know and then they say helpful things like the bathrooms are right over there and we'll be in here and the service starts at 10:30 and you know talking them through it friendlying up the church there's a whole host of stuff that we could do in that area there's a second aspect of friendlying up the church though and that involves relationships this is what jesus says in john 13:35 by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By this, all people will know. He doesn't say, by your perfect theology, although theology is important. He doesn't say, you know, by the, by the impressiveness of your children's ministry, although children's ministry is important. He doesn't say, by the number of activities that you've got going on, although activities are important. He doesn't say whether people laugh at the preacher's jokes or not, although you should. (laughs) He says this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so listen, it is mission critical that a church that is going to reach out and share, that a church owns this idea. That when we get irritated with one another or we offend one another or we do things that are wrong, that we admit, that we say that we're sorry and that we patch up our relationships. It's about gospel ministry. Because when people are told by Jesus that they can judge whether or not they are the disciples of Jesus by their love for one another, and then they walk into a church, and they, you know, now, now they're not reading John 13, 35 if they don't read the Bible and walk into the church. They just feel it intuitively. They're like, oh, those are the God people who've, who've been saved and the Spirit of God in them, and they're supposed to be filled with faith and hope and love and joy and peace and all that stuff, and I look around and I don't see it at all. Maybe I'll look into Buddhism. We friendly up the church and we focus on relationships. That's till. Till the soil. Get the soil ready for the work. The second thing that we do is we sow. That is not sow, right? That is sow. Um, sow, right? Get yourself, right? You get the soil ready and then you get yourself a, uh, a stack of a bag of seed, Right, and here's all your your seeds right there, and you are ready. You are ready to sow. How then do we sow? First thing we do is we pray. I'd draw the praying hands, but it would take too long. A little up arrow there. We pray. Paul knew that God was the one that was at work preparing the soil of those who would receive the message. God's at work. Listen, when you show up in somebody's life, whether it's your coworker or your family member, when you show up in their life and you share the gospel with them, God has been with them, working on them, bringing conviction to them their entire life. John 16, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict of truth, righteousness, and judgment. The Spirit is always at work. Remember, at times before you are a believer, before you, you, you put your faith and trust in Christ, maybe this is you right now. If you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, I'm feeling this, this whole like separated from God thing, I'd urge you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. urge you to do that. There were times in my life where, where I was wandering far from God in my teenage years, and I would just feel this intense conviction over the wrong that I was doing. I think in part because my mom and all of her friends were praying that, that I would, you know, get, either get caught in my sin, right, you know, thanks, or, you know, that, 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 I, would, uh, that I would turn and repent, right? Pray. Paul said, my heart's desire, this is Romans 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that they would be saved, speaking of his countrymen. The armored Christian is to be on his knees praying and making intercession. Paul says, pray that, I, that an, a door would open up for the word, that I'd have an opportunity to share, and that I would be clear and bold in the way that I speak. Pray. That's the first step in sowing. That's why we've got this My Five card. bunch of them out there. Do you have five people that you're praying for? Now, if you're praying for five and a six person shows up, you're like, I could share the gospel with this person. Share with them, yeah. right? But, but be, be thinking with intentionality about who you could, you could share with. The next thing, um, I'm, I'm thinking of it this way. Invest and speak. I don't know that invest is the best way to say that. How about, how about store up? Store up and speak. We're talking about seed here. You are, you are thinking like, you know, I'm going to be sharing the gospel with the people that I work with. Well, build up some relational credibility with them. What is their name? right? What is their spouse's name? What are their kids' names, right? If you talk to them and they say something like, my kid has got a court date coming, right? Say, I will pray for them, and then the next day, you know, say, like, was it yesterday? How did it go? And follow up with them and build up some relational credibility. Think about it. God is investing in the lives of people and drawing them close. And, and we ought to store up and be ready to speak at the right opportunity. But everybody doesn't give you an opportunity to speak in their lives in, in the day and age of what I'd call like the bat cave right? Where, what do you do? You drive into your driveway, you hit the button, the door to the back cave opens up, you pull your car in and you go inside your house. That's the way people live now. I think they just completed this giant study, I saw it on the internet this week, that, uh, that, that I think one in eight people, no, seven in eight people in the United Kingdom said they have no real close friends. Just, I, th- I think that's what it is. Anyway, statistics. Um, I'm not super good with numbers. The point is this. People are lonely. People are lonely. You need to earn the right to speak because people are also suspicious of you. So we invest. What does Paul say? Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household household. Of faith, and then fourth, when the harvest is ready, you go out into the field, and you reap. You bring in, uh, you bring in the grain. I gotta get my brown right here. Yeah, um, right. You go out there, and you've got that, that that grain, and it's got the, you know, it's it's all in the ear there, and you put it in bundles. You go out there with your sickle, right. Uh, don't give me one of those things, you will get hurt. Um, you go out there into the field and you you bring in the grain. when you plant the seed, right you go out and you get the fruit because the fruit is precious. The fruit is is what we 've been working for. Uh, you go and you you bring in the harvest and so there are two parts of this that we could do together as a church: one, be sharing with people in your small group who you're praying for and pray with them. Together, I had an opportunity to say to somebody, somebody on my list of five people is here. You know, the first thing they did was they put their hand up like that for the high five. That's what we ought to be doing, praying and celebrating with each other when people, when we have an opportunity to share the gospel with people. Somebody tells you, hey, I had a conversation with one of the people on my list. Man, you encourage them. Get that hand up. And when... We're working with somebody, you know, and you're like, you're like, hey, you know, this person's in church. You make sure that, that you're friendly to them and you, you, you try, to, try, to, try to take the gospel a little bit further along in their life if you can. Let's work together. How do we, how do we reap together, though? First, uh, as a church, we want to start working on what are called bridge events and appropriately named harvest events. Now, harvest events do not mean you know, that we get everybody together in the fall, uh, although we do call them harvest parties, but a harvest event will be where we are going to clearly speak Christ and give people an opportunity to be reconciled to God. Where We're going we're to clearly articulate the gospel now. Hopefully you notice that, that I try to do this all the time. I try to share the gospel, and I try to say, trust in Jesus. Every single sermon, the gospel ought to be there. But there are times where we ought to say, look, let's pray together and try to get everybody in the church to hear the gospel. Think about it. When do people in our culture go to church? Christmas and Easter. And so I don't think we ought to rearrange everything and turn everything we do into evangelism all the time. But we ought to strategically gather people together and say, you know what? On resurrection sunday or easter sunday or whatever you call it the gospel is going to be very clear we ought to be praying and inviting and praying and inviting and praying and inviting we're going to give you a little card to invite people to easter services this year um, it's going to be classy and cute and interesting and memorable we'll hand it to you it them out pray share invite come with me to church Take them out to lunch afterward if you've got time, or meet up with them for coffee and share the gospel with them. That's a a harvest event. We also ought to, as a church, ought to be doing what are called bridging events, which is showing Christ. Whatever, whatever you can think of, ways in which we can get out into the community and show people that we love them. Excuse me. Whether it's going out in the neighborhood and raking leaves right? For, for people and not taking any money for it or letting the homeowners association use our building to meet in or any kinds of things that you can think of. What are ways in which we can just encounter people and get to know them? Oh, yeah, I go to harvest here in your neighborhood. Right, go to harvest, you know, and, and share. You should come. Those are, those are bridging events. And then what we ought to do is to try to connect these people to the life of our church. And then deploy them in significant ministry. What does that mean, deploy them in significant ministry? We teach them that if God has called them, they ought to be sharing the gospel with those that they know. They say it takes the average new Christian three or four years to lose all their non Christian friends. That's a shame. Those who come to Christ ought to see their friends as someone they ought to share with and somebody ought to love them enough to say, look, don't alienate all your friends. Telling them, you know, that they're you know, coming on strong and being like, hey, remember a couple weeks ago when we were all sinning? Yeah, you're going to hell and I'm not anymore. Like, that does not win people. Share with them, you know. So we teach them to, to deploy in significant ministry, but then we also connect them to our life. So often I think people get a bad taste in their mouth for evangelism and they, and they, they think like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to share with somebody um, who I'm never going to see again. Well, you should because you don't know what God's going to do with them. But listen, be sharing with people and care and love them enough to, 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 to think that you're going to try to connect with them and connect them into your life. This is what Paul did. He says this in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, gospel, but also our own selves, because you become very dear to us. Join them into your life. We've got a plan that the leadership is, is working on to, to launch an entire series of small groups so that you can have a, a place where you're gathering with a, a smaller group of people and you can share and they'll pray for you and they'll pray for the people that you're trying to share with and they'll encourage you when you're down and they'll uh, rebuke you when you're messed up and in sin and, you know, and, and, and try to focus on connecting these people to your life. That's a strategy for building disciples and sharing the gospel right there. That's how we get the hog off the truck as a church if we've been called to share this message uh, with the world, and we have. I'm not really sure how to end this other than to say this. There are people that you work with. There are people in your family There are people in your doctor's office. There are people in the clubs that you're part of. There are friends that you have known forever who are here. They're here. And God is working in their lives, bringing conviction and bringing them along. And they are waiting to hear the gospel message. When God works, this is clear. You see this over and over again in Scripture. When God works... He does it through people. Moses, Joshua, Jesus, Peter. He does very little himself by coming down out of heaven in a cloud and acting. Most of what he does, he does through people. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. He's commissioned and called each of us to share the gospel. Here's how we do it together as a church. Let's close in prayer and we'll, we'll sing a closing song together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. And we thank you for the opportunity to do significant work together with you, Lord. You don't just call us to yourself and then say, go and, and live and wait. No, you say, be busy in active service sharing the gospel so we pray father that together as a church we would get behind the idea of sharing the truth and sharing it in love and that we would then pray and learn and then we would humbly together as a church reach out and seek to to build people into the life of our church father we thank you for partnering with us for giving us a mission, we pray that you would break our hearts in love for those who need to hear the gospel. If there's anyone here this morning who uh, thinks that they're not right with God, you think I've maybe I've heard this message before, or I've been in church before, or, uh, but I just I think if I were to if I were to die right now, I could not say that I've trusted and believed in Christ. I don't think that I'm I'm right with him. I would say tell God right now that you put your faith and trust in him. Hate and forsake your sins and ask him to save you, to give you Christ's righteousness. The Bible promises that if we do that, he will. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word. We pray that you would help us to apply ourselves to it, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this closing song together.